1: Hey, good morning this morning. It is a beautiful Tuesday here in Indianapolis. I don't know what happened, but uh, I've been reading all this stuff about waking up and starting your day early. So I've started last couple of days getting up around six o'clock, getting a two-mile hike in, taking my do the lovely and talented Lula, and uh, making a day of it. I, I don't know. I just do. So uh, good for me. I am Jack, last night we saw maybe the worst kicking performance ever, maybe Tom Brady's last football game, maybe certainly Tom Brady's last game with the Buccaneers, but we opened like we like to do with a little fisti-cuffs. Uh guy got a little road rage going, and he picked the wrong guy, Dylan. Let's have a look at what's going on here. Oh, I guess we're going to wait a second here on this one. Uh... All right. Well, you can't do that. Tom Brady, we're going to get into his supposed farewell speech. We'll get into that. We're also going to get into, man, I hate to say it, but Joey Bosa is a damn fool. I mean, here's the problem. We love NFL football. Everybody came together in prayer, in donation for DeMar Hamlet. But when normal, and I've always said NFL football players are pretty smart. NFL football players are like, hey, the best of the best. You've got to know this playbook. But sometimes when they speak, it ain't so good. Now, Joey Bosa is going to speak, and it ain't so good. Alejandro Avila is going to join us. We're going to talk about the Cowboys. Emma Joe. I love Emma Joe. I am uh, absolutely 100% in love with my friend, my new friend, uh, Emma Joe. And all you gotta do is look on Twitter, Emma Joe Morris. She is gonna straighten out. And of course, we've got, well, we've got all of the good stuff coming up on Joe Biden. Well, let's get into the headlines. Jim, Har- Jim Harbaugh is back, 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 guess who's back, back. I don't know that this was really a surprise but I got to tell you it didn't add up totally. Jobs that maybe he would be interested, mostly the Indianapolis Colts job were open out there. They were open. So guess what? I thought because of a number of things, one he just he could ride off into sunset at somewhat of a high level. He doesn't have to deal with Ohio State anymore. He doesn't have to deal with the stigma of losing 7 in a row to urban. He can walk out with his head held high. I thought maybe he would go, but yesterday it was announced that Jim Harbaugh is going to return to the university of Michigan. And I got to tell you something. I got to tell you, uh, good for Michigan. Who are you going to get? That's what I always say like everybody. Well, I don't want this guy. I, right, who you want? Well, you know, okay. Who you want? Well, Whenever anybody starts with, well, whenever anybody starts with that, you know it is a problem. You just do. All right, I'm going to skip the fight one. We'll go to that later on. Joey Bosa spoke yesterday. Joey Bosa spoke about being kicked out, about referees. Now, here's the deal with Joey Bosa before you listen to this. Joey Bosa, I would argue, has no idea like, I think refereeing is horrible. The ins- I, I talked about it yesterday, 8 to 10 years experience, as opposed to 20 to 25. Uh, 52% is less than 10, 30% less than 7. They, there is no experience, and Bosa is not wrong about how horrible the officiating is, but he has no idea, no idea the accountability of officials. Listen to this idiot talk.
2: I need to be more accountable for my actions, obviously, but it's... Uh... It's a heated game. I think there just needs to be more accountability on, uh, I mean, if I say something to them, I get a $40,000 fine. But if they blow a call that ruins an entire team's season, they get to, they're probably back in the locker room after the game. Like, I got that. Oh yeah, got him. 15 yards, what a loser. I guarantee it. That's what they're
1: talking. Joey Bosa might be the dumbest person in football. Now, he might be. Listening to Joey Bosa might be, it's painful. I think he's the dumbest person in football. I think Joey Bosa is legit. Now, he may have been a Rhodes Scholar. He is, in my opinion, football's dumbest. I mean, let's look at it. Oh, man, you know, I mean, when he said but, there's an old saying. Everything said before, the word but doesn't matter. Dockage, you're really handsome, but. I would never look at you twice. I heard that a lot when I was single. Uh, You know, the word "butt" kills you. So as soon as he did that, he might is. I think he is football's dumbest. I mean, and look, let's be honest: there is a lot of dumb in football. There's a lot of dumb in broadcasting. A lot of dumb in everything. But I think he's the dumbest. Can we play that again? Can we just listen to his arrogance, his stupidity? He has no idea the accountability that officials go through. Officials stink. And, you know, the diversity and all the inexperience and getting rid of older guys has crushed the NFL in terms of officiating. But this is crap. Let's hear again from this idiot.
2: I need to be more accountable for my actions, obviously, but. It's uh, but, it's a heated game. But, I think there just needs to be more accountability on. Uh, I mean, if I say something to them, I get a forty thousand dollar fine. But if they blow a call that ruins an entire team's season, they get to. They're probably back in the locker room after the game, like, ah, oh, got that? Oh yeah, got him. Fifteen yards. What a loser! I guarantee it. That's what they're talking.
1: Well, if you think that then you're even dumber because don't give him the ammunition to do that. Now, the official that threw the flag when he cussed at him is soft as my backside. And that guy should be fine. He won't be. There are reasons. But he should be fine. He should not be allowed to move forward. Look, I don't care what anybody says to me on a court, on a field, on a pitch, if I'm a referee, as long as he's not losing his mind. The dude's wearing a helmet. He's MFing him. So what? And the little fella that threw the flag got his little feelings hurt. And getting your little feelings hurt, you got to put your own little feelings and your own little ego away. The referee's an idiot, but no one's dumber than Joey Bosa. Let's just, let's just put it at that. Just listening to his arrogant, stupid self gave me gas. It just did. Well, you know, he sounds like one of those little punk-ass millennials that you just want to punch in the face. The problem with punching Joey Bosa in the face, okay? But doesn't he sound like, you know, he's trying, you know, Uh, maybe they are sitting back there, but you're the idiot. If you think that's what officials do, then you are the idiot that quite frankly gave them the ammunition to do it. And oh, by the way, you got to fire this Brandon Staley guy just for picking up this clown's helmet. Ah, now on the other side of the spectrum spectrum. I always say this, Tom Brady is the smartest guy in the NFL. Tom Brady understands how to be Eddie Haskell. Let's just understand this. If Tom Brady were this good a guy, he wouldn't be divorced twice. If Tom Brady were the guy that comes out and speaks like I'm going to show you here in a minute, he would not have walked out on his first wife when she was pregnant. I've said this forever. I like Tom Brady. Great. But I'm tired of Tom Brady. I've had enough of Tom Brady. Tom Brady is full of crap. Those of you that are old enough, and I don't know how many of you are out there that are old enough to remember Leave It to Beaver, there was a classic character in there named Eddie Haskell. Hello, Mrs. Beaver, as he was always conniving. He was always the guy, I call it grin blanking you. Let me give you a hint what the blank is starts with F, ends with K, and it's not fire truck. He's always grin-blanking you. I miss his hat. That's what Tom Brady does. Look, Tom Brady comes off as Captain America. But all these two beautiful women and their kids, they ain't walking out on him. And if he's Captain America, I don't give a daggone what you say. Now, I don't ever know what's going on behind closed doors in someone's marriage. But if you're a great guy, you don't walk out on your pregnant wife. That's all I'm saying. So I'll be the only one to say it. I got no problem saying it. But here's Tom Brady Going all aw shucks, Eddie Haskell, after the game. And, of course, the media did this. They lapped it up like the little lap dogs that they are. Go ahead. Let's give it to them.
3: I just want to say thank you guys for everything this year. I really appreciate all your effort. Thank you, guys. It's hard for you guys, too. It's hard for us players to make it through. And you guys got a tough job. And I appreciate all that you guys do to cover us and everyone who watches and is a big fan of the sport. We're very grateful for everyone's support. And, um, you know, hopefully – you know, I love this organization. It's a great place to be, and thank you, everybody, for welcoming me, uh, all you regulars, and um, just very grateful for the respect,
1: and I and, uh, hope I gave the same thing back to you guys. So thank you very much. Appreciate it. Tom Brady is full of crap. Tom Brady is full of she. She. I didn't cuss Gary or Aaron so we can monetize this. But Tom Brady, it's like, I've told you this before. I used to tell my kids, what do you hear when you hear mommy talk? Blah, 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 blah. Now, no wonder I'm divorced. (laughs) But I'll tell you this, I didn't leave my wife when she was pregnant. I get tired of hearing what great guys are. The bar for a great guy is so freaking low. Swear to God, I've had enough of everybody's a great guy because he can throw a pass everybody's a great guy because he can catch a ball. Everybody's a great guy because he can hit a fastball. They are not. They're no different than you. And the level of deviant is off the chain yo. Let me just give you a little insight here. But Tom, you guys have a hard job. That's reminiscent of Chuck Pagano, Mike Wells, who was a reporter for ESPN, and uh, what's the guy's name? Holder. Stephen Holder, who was a reporter for The Athletic, exchanging gifts. Look, I have a different view of the media. I'm there to do a job. One of the great things about not doing college basketball anymore is not having to talk to coaches. Sitting there with some idiot that's on the mount pontificating about the greatness of himself. Stop it, stupid. Look, that sounds very negative, I know but it's the truth. You ever sit with these guys? Like referees. I've always said there, I love Tom Izzo, but I think he's certifiably insane. And same with Teddy Valentine, the referee. I love Teddy V. He screwed us in 1992 in the final four, but Hey, look, you get over things. I got to know him. He's completely insane. And I completely love both him and Izzo. If you ever text Izzo and you guys that do will nod your head at the, Oh, I'll call you tomorrow. I love when Is I love Izzo's I'll call you tomorrow. I love the man. But you can't sit there and base your career on listening to the lifetimes and philosophy of these people. So Tom Brady is sitting there BSing the troops as my father used to call it, and away we go. Last night Dak Prescott was sensational. I mean, 25 of 33, 305 yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions. He and Mike McCarthy get to keep their jobs another week, at least according to the idiots on ESPN. Uh, Brady, see, one of the things that people don't understand about football is even in this modern era, you got to run the ball. Leonard Fournette fatter than me. Leonard Fournette slower than me. They got nothing on the ground, so Brady throws the ball 33 times, or excuse me, 66 times, completes 35 of them. It was like every time he's passing the ball. But, of course, the story was Brett Mayer. He's the kicker. He missed four in a row. The odds were somewhere around 300 million to one that he did it. I don't know. I saw it at one point. Four in a row. It was so bad that Dak Prescott was throwing his helmet. Everybody around ESPN knows why these things happen currently at ESPN, but nobody's going to say, including me. But last night, whoever the producer was of the game uh, stinks because the story was whether or not Mayer was going to kick number five through the uprights. That was the story, ladies and gentlemen, and they missed it. They were doing some inane replay. See, I would be bad to work for. I'd be like, yeah, all right, uh, you got to go, producer guy. Yeah, I don't care what you know, box you check or don't check or how long you've been here. If you didn't know that that freaking deal was the deal, you got to go. And I would hire Bart Fox and Scott Johnson, and you wouldn't have any problems. I was on a text chain last night with those guys, Mike Tirico, and Tirico didn't say anything because he knows I have a big mouth, but Bart did. Bart's the best producer at Fox and ESPN, uh, does a little bit for ESPN. Now he's over at Fox and Big Ten Network. He's like, how do you possibly miss the kick? Fox hasn't been smart enough yet to make him their number one basketball producer, but all things being equal, they eventually will. You can't miss the kick. Micah Parsons was pretty good last night. In fact, Micah Parsons was such, I couldn't take my eyes off. Him. Three tackles, two for loss, one sack, two pass breakups, two quarterback hit, nine pressures. Man, I don't know about you, but that was pretty daggone good, at least what I saw last night. Uh, question we're going to ask, did we see the end of Tom Brady? It did not seem like it. It seemed like we saw the end of Tom Brady in Tampa. Now, where would he go? Tell me I'm wrong about this. Tell me based on Phillip Rivers, Matt Ryan, tell me he's not the perfect guy to coach Colt uh, to bring in for the Colts. Tell me he's not Chris Ballard's guy. Tell me he's not. You can't. You cannot tell me, tell me based on, tell me based on, I don't know, the past that Tom Brady isn't perfect for the Colts. You Colts fans, you know, I'm right. You know, tell me you can't Tom Brady right now is perfect for the Colts. He is absolutely Ballard's guy. He has to be Ballard's guy. Over the hill, I guess, although he throws it 66 times. Over the hill, let's just say, it's 46 by the time he plays next year. He's got to be over the hill. Uh, throws it. It'll take Ballard at Indianapolis one hour to figure out he's a leader. I don't even think you you got to do that. I mean, I think you just simply go, well, you know, he's Tom Brady. I said before when they signed Rivers and others, I said that they should bring Brady in as opposed to Rivers and others because he elevates the whole building. I'm not sure he does now. Like everybody would say it, and all these clowns on the Colts last year talked about, oh, my God, I can't believe Philip or uh, Matt Ryan is our quarterback. I, I can't believe it. Really? You can't believe Matt Ryan? You can't believe Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan, he of 28-3 in the Super Bowl. Matt Ryan, he of the worst, I don't know, uh, what's the right word? He of the worst performance of his career. That guy, Matt Ryan, we, we can't believe he's our leader. Tom Brady to the Colts, he's got to be Ballard's kind of guy. You brought in Rivers, you brought in Ryan, all right, I don't like players. I'm not going to lie to you. I don't like players. I don't like them. And J.K. Dobbins is another guy I don't like. J.K. Dobbins is smarter than everybody, and he may not be wrong. Let's hear on a graphic from J.K. Dobbins. J.K. Dobbins is not happy with the play calling of John Harbaugh and his staff, and the Baltimore Ravens. Now, he was asked about Tyler Hunley's fumble. J.K. Dobbins, a guy who's all right, he's a good player, certainly not Emmett Smith or Walter Payton, but, hey, look, he's got a mouth, he's in the NFL, so he's going to talk. Here's what Dobbins said, he should have never been in that position. Dobbins said of Tyler Hunley's fumble at the goal line in the fourth quarter that led to a 99-yard touchdown. The other way, I didn't get a single carry. I didn't get a single carry. He should have never been in that situation. I believe I would have put it in the end zone. Again, I'm a guy who feels like I should be on the field all the time. It's the playoffs. Why am I not out there? Huh? I should be the guy. I'm tired of holding that back. I'm a playmaker. I'm a guy that my teammates feed off of when I'm on the field. If we'd have Lamar, we'd have won two. I have a saying, it's a good saying. If the dog hadn't stopped to take a dump, he'd have caught the rabbit. That's a good saying. That's a great saying. Serious business. If the dog hadn't stopped to take a dump, he'd have caught the rabbit. What's the other saying that old guys use? If ifs and buts were raisins and nuts, every day would be Christmas. I like the dump one. That personally gets it done a little bit better for me, I don't know about you, but it gets it done a little better for moi. All right. Um, there was a lot of speculation on C.J. Stroud, and as a Colts fan, this makes me happy. The speculation on C.J. Stroud was this. The speculation was, hey, look, uh, they're working on an NIL deal to make him stay at Ohio State. Well, guess what? That wasn't the truth. Because C.J. Stroud yesterday, much to the chagrin of Ohio State fans who thought they were getting him back, and much to the happiness of guys like the Colts who were excited that they're going to have a chance now to get him, he announced for the NFL. Well, good for him. So there you go. Uh, all right. All right. Alejandro Villa joins us from Outkick. Hey, uh, Alejandro, thanks for joining us. Uh, number one, um, Cowboys, any good? You think they're the team now? Was that a great performance? Where was that?
4: Well, uh, aside from a uh, Bucks disaster, I think that truly did showcase a ceiling for these Cowboys. Because, I mean, coming in, you're you're thinking, you know, will Dak sort of shake off this issue with turning the ball over? And honestly. It was, an, it was near, a near-perfect performance, and if you know me, it pains me to say that about a Cowboys quarterback. So I honestly think that going into San Francisco this weekend, the only thing that can catch up to them at this point is that shortened break because I think they proved that they could essentially get to the Super Bowl with this kind of a quarterback, and that defense, I mean, it really stepped up for them when they needed him.
1: I got to ask you, how have they proven they can get to the Super Bowl?
4: Well again, Dak not turning the ball over. That, I mean, coming in, Dan Quinn and the defense was kind of seen as the linchpin to to this guy, I mean, these guys' success. So I think if Dak is able to, you know, Jerry Jones the whole season was talking about or at least he was alluding to Dak's issue with turnovers. So to me, at least as a viewer, I was thinking that's their biggest issue and if they're able to overcome that, they can, you know, they did also capitalize on, it again, a, a horrible exhibition of coaching by the Bucs. I mean, you're saying Brady has a future, possibly coaching for the Colts. I think last night he probably should have taken the clipboard from Byron coaching? Leftwich. No, 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 no. Whoa, whoa, oh, whoa, whoa, sorry. Whoa,
1: whoa. I've never said Brady coaching. Look, <laughs> well, uh, people at this point, that say I mean, Brady mean, Manning are coaching <laughs> are complete idiots. Manning and Brady... They ain't coaching, they ain't GMing, they're owning. No, I said playing, absolutely not coaching.
4: But can we put that beneath Chris Ballard? I mean, again, the whole Jeff Saturday disaster at this point, why not bring in Brady to hold the clipboard? But, um, no, I I, I agree with you. I think he can at least, you know – well, first things first, he just needs to get out of Tampa. That was a horrible performance. I think – not running the ball did them it was a huge detriment especially when Rashad White was averaging about 5.9 yards on the ground and for them to just have about 12 total carries to me was was amazing I mean balls he'll probably survive this season as a head coach I think but I mean if you're if you have a defensive pedigree what would happen last night I mean no one was within 10 yards of you know CD lamb on that fourth down touchdown I, I it was stunning to watch.
1: If you're Jerry Jones and you're Mike McCarthy, do you keep the kicker?
4: I would have made like Vontae Davison left at halftime. I mean, that was uh I I listen, Marr I think had a pretty decent season. Um it was I, I would have to assume the playoff jitters because four back to back extra point misses, if he does that again against uh the Niners, well, yeah, he's he's probably staying over in Santa Clara.
1: You know, uh, one of the great things about yesterday I thought was pretty cool was Dak Prescott losing his mind. Why don't we go for two? You know what I mean? You had to do that, right? I mean, any competitor, I don't want to get, what would have happened, I wonder, if he had to make a game winner? I don't know, but he was a mess. Do we like the Giants? Do the Giants have a shot here?
4: Oh, boy. Well, the media has certainly paraded around the Giants these last two days, which, I mean, I joined them because it was good to see them win, a you know, a playoff game, a meaningful game in over a decade. But it only took Daniel Jones's best game of his career to defeat Kirk Cousins and the Vikings secondary. I like to be a realist and say that going into the, you know, the matchup against the Eagles, those linebackers are going to be able to contain Daniel Jones. He's not going to be able to take off for a first down every run. And they also have a guy on the Eagles secondary named James Bradbury who played for the Giants last year but couldn't stay because of essentially Dave Gettleman's long-lasting effects on the salary cap. So he's going to want his revenge game. And, uh, again, I like to be realistic. I'll hope that they can squeeze out a miracle win. But it's it's probably one and done for the Giants this, this postseason. But ask any Giants fan, they'll take it.
1: Man, I know Giants fans are, like, out of their minds. And, of course, if the Giants or Jets are any good, then you got to listen to all the idiots in the New York media tell us how great they are. Sean Payton's going to get – I don't know. The Saints are going to want a first-round pick, at least according to Payton. Does he end up anywhere? Is he worth the first-round pick?
4: Well, if I'm the Chargers, I really throw everything at him that I can to get him. I mean, we're probably on the same boat with Brandon Staley. Who knows why that guy had a head coaching gig after one great season as the defensive coordinator for the Rams. But uh, I would like to see him go to the Chargers. I'll say that. And I do think that they'll make that campaign to get him because, I mean, if you look at their roster, they've never been shy about just pursuing – the players that they want. I mean, Khalil Mack, uh, just some of these uh, big-time guys that they know will put them over the top. So if you ask me, Chargers or nothing, but, hey, it's nice that he took a call from the Houston Texans because if you ask me, that's a fat chance.
1: Man, I don't know. I'm going to give my rankings of the five jobs that are currently open uh, that Peyton should go to. And, look, I I don't know. It seems to me the Texans – that. I don't trust those folks. I don't want to be fired after one year. I mean, I know it's not a bad gig, particularly if you're Cliff Kingsbury. I mean, you go to Thailand, you got the hot girlfriend, you do the photo (laughs) shoots. But I don't want to go there. I don't trust these guys.
4: Yeah, I mean, if for the majority of your season, your best offensive player was uh, a rookie running back. If you're Peyton, you probably want a little more to work with with that. And, and, you know, Eckler, again, I I hate to – I'm not campaigning – for The Chargers, just because I'm in SoCal. We, it's uh, I just think he's got you know a full arsenal that if you're Peyton, you probably want to win now, and he's he's got that.
1: All right, last last thing, uh, before I let you go, who was the most impressive to you out of everybody that played this weekend? And there was a ton. Who was the most impressive to you? Uh,
4: well, I'll say the Brett Maher of quarterbacks this weekend, Trevor Lawrence. I think, uh what him and uh, Doug Peterson did to come back uh, in that incredible win against those Chargers, I, I got to give him credit. I mean, the guy's in, what, his second year, and to have that kind of, I think, moxie to to bring his team back, I, I just found that impressive out of all the quarterbacks. I know, again, Daniel Jones, he's got everyone in New York um, you know, campaigning his name for the, for the rest of this week. So I got to give it up to Trevor Lawrence.
1: I agree with you. I think when you go throw four touchdowns or four interceptions and then you show the satchel to come back and get her done, that ain't bad. Hey Alejandro, thanks, man. Keep writing the good stuff. Appreciate you.
4: Dan, thank you for having me. Appreciate
1: it. My my pleasure, Alejandro Avila, uh, on uh from Outkick. Look, I'm gonna give you my top five. My top five. Uh, jobs in order. There's five open. Now, maybe more become available, particularly if you're Sean Payton. But I got to tell you, do you want to go to the Colts who have no quarterback? Do you want to go babysit freaking Kyler Murray? Honest to God, do you want to go trust in the Texans? You know, the Chargers job isn't open, but you know who their general manager is? A guy named Tom Telesco. Tom Telesco came from the Chris Ballard tree, which is why he has a little millennial whiny blank coach that's grabbing the helmet of Joey Bosa. Here Joey, and then Bosa throws it down again. I got to tell you, I've had enough. But when we come back, I'm going to tell you as we finish headlines and get in, I'm going to tell you who my most impressive quarterback was. Over the weekend. Some of you may agree and some of you may not agree. Hey, the YouTube chat is uh, pumping. I see you on there, Cashman. Go to the Cashman Wins and he will help you win a ton of money. Uh, a Money Wilson, Big T, Colin Burrows, Fatty Manny, John Danceman, Michael Gordon, Outkick Boys are on there, Sarah, and po- Sarah Pozel, Scotty Tuati Smith, El Presidente. Senator BS, Paul Stevenson. All right, we got three, 400 people watching. Let's get some more. Let's go. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this.
0: Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, Right now, you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details.
1: So the other day, I'm driving through my neighborhood. It's a road. I live on a road. I'm not going to tell you because people will be at my house picketing. But there's a road in my neighborhood called Courageous Drive. And I'm driving down it. And when you get to the end, it curves a little bit, and they're working on a house, and there was construction trucks in the middle. And I guess I wasn't paying attention, but I did look, and there was room for two cars. So I went, stayed close to the construction trucks. Apparently, the other people going the other way didn't think that there was room. So I apparently, like a stop sign, went before them, and as I'm going past, some big, fat, meathead, goatee guy looks at me and flips me off. So I'm like, hey, wait a second. What's going on in my own neighborhood? So I stop my car to see if this is going to go any farther, which is stupid because, well, I'm 60 years old, got a bad shoulder, and probably, well, I know I can take a punch to the head, but not to the stomach. But anyway, he goes on, and whatever. Don't mess around. With people you don't know. Here is a perfect example of a road raid incident. Guy gets out. Next thing you know, he messed with the wrong dude, baby. Here we go. Now, this is a, yeah, yeah. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but that's a guy that used to play for the Jets. See, don't, don't, do not. Like, I, one time driving from Bloomington, some guy, I don't know what his problem was, but I stopped the car and I pulled over and my then wife was like, don't get out. And I'm like, hey, look, I got to get out. Because this guy was trying to knock us off the road. He was some little meth-looking punk guy. And he took off, laughed and took off, but I'm like, Hey. But that's really stupid. In this day and age, do not throw hands or do not road rage or do not get out. I'm always a victim. I didn't know if you noticed this. I'm never the causer. (laughs) Man, don't be throwing the hands. Don't do it. Too many people are taking like karate, jujitsu, MMA fighting, UFC training. There's like, 10 of these things all around my house. There's one over here. There's one, I mean, hey, look. Back in the day, you might throw some hands with some guy, but he never really trained. Now dudes are training. My one buddy has Parkinson's. You know how he's getting through it? By going to a boxing academy. People are training. If you're not training, don't. That's my public service announcement. Do not throw hands with those that you do not know. Now, if you're throwing hands with those that you know, then, hey, what are you going to do? Maybe a guy catches you with one. But I'm just saying, man, don't, I love vigilante justice. You know this. I think I sent the fellas one yesterday in Chicago of some dude that was trying to steal a car, and two guys just beat the living you-know-what out of them in the middle of the street. I mean, they bashed his head. I'm all in on it. Look. If our lawmakers don't want to support our police, if people don't want, and they're so scared about be calling a racist or a sexist, and we watch idiots go into stores, steal stuff, and you're not allowed to do anything because immediately, and this is true, you can argue, you can call me, whatever, stores tell their employees, we don't want the discriminate, we don't want the lawsuit, we don't want the hassle, so let them take it. That's crap. So I'm all in on the Best Buy Vigil Annie Justice. I don't care. You like it? Good. You don't like it? Good. But I like it. I like it a whole lot. I do. I like it a whole lot, man. All right. Bill Walton is not messing around. Now, Bill Walton is completely out of his mind. And Bill Walton is arguably the worst broadcaster ever. And every guy that's in the media is going to tell you, Bill Walton's great, man. He's a national treasure. No, he's off of the list. But see, every little white media guy will always tell you a couple things. Bill Walton's great. Man, I love Springsteen. That's what they do. Because every little white media guy is like the people we have in Congress. They were dorky little nerdy dudes... Until they got to be in Congress or got to be a sports writer, then for the first time in their lifetime, little Susie paid attention to them and some other dudes, and now they believe their own crap. Pay attention to this. Every little white sports writer will tell you of the greatness of Springsteen if they're over 45 or 50. I'm telling you, it makes them seem like they are in the cool crowd. Bill Walton is the same thing. Well, man, Walton's a treasure. No, you can listen to Walton for two minutes. I personally like Bill Walton. I think Bill Walton is funny. But Bill Walton doing this makes me really like Bill Walton. In fact, Bill Walton was one of my idols. He used to do this running down the court when he would play uh, for the Portland Trailblazers. So, of course, what did I do in eighth grade? I don't know what I was doing, but Bill Walton did it. I stayed up when he went 21-22 to against, I believe it was Memphis, to win the national championship. It might have been Kentucky. I can't remember. But I stayed up. Bill Walton's an idol. Then I watched him, got, watched his act, and I'm like, yeah, he's an idiot. But now I like Bill Walton. Listen to this. He has been very, very vocal about the homeless problem in San Diego. He's been very vocal about the homeless problem Uh It across the United States, and he's gone after governments and city leaders. All right, he's come up with a solution which entails relocating the homeless population to a place that he calls Sunbreak Ranch. Now, that ranch is going to be interesting. Let me go through what's real. All right, here's what's real Will it be maintained? Now, one of the things that I never buy into. Ever is sports figures. Uh, what's it called? Uh, sports figures foundations. All you got to do is look up Sammy Sosa and what he did not do with his foundation. So I'm always leery. I am. I'm sorry. I'm always leery. That's number one. Will he continue to fund this? All right. He has lived in San Diego for 45 years. He got assaulted by a bunch of homeless dudes while riding his bike. Sunbreak Ranch located an empty plot of land east of Interstate 15 on the Marine Corps Air Station Miramar, 12 miles from downtown San Diego. He wants a place with portable toilets, portable showers, mess halls, medical tents, storage facilities, on-site service providers, including dedicated teams of mental health professionals. Now, what's it going to cost? Well, here's the deal. He is saying, we need our president and federal government to lease 2,000 acres of MCAS, Miramar, the Marine Corps base, To Sunbreak Ranch at $1 a year, designate this land as a federal emergency homeless help zone. We need our president to deploy the military and military services to build a tent for Sunbreak City. The cost of Sunbreak City is minimal compared to the untold tens of billions currently spent to no avail on the homeless annually. He calls for significant individual philanthropists or organizations to seed fund the money with up to a three-year, listen to this, $275 275 million dollars I like it I I like it I I think it's interesting I would love to see it he uh is at least offering a solution instead of just discussing the problem and I like it now is it gonna happen no no One of the things that is saddest is that we need to divide and conquer. So not we, uh, politicians. They always need to divide and conquer. Look at the homeless problem. That's a Democrat problem in in major cities. So Republicans hit on that. We'll see. I think it's a great initiative. I do. I think it's a great, great, great initiative. And, you know, Bill Walton, for all his craziness, is an incredibly bright human being. Bill Walton is interesting, though. People tell the story, a good friend of mine, of being by him and John Wooden when Walton won a national championship in St. Louis, looking at Coach Wooden and saying, hey, John, let's get the F out of here. It's a legendary story that I support. All right, the NFL uh, botched another disciplinary decision. Like The NFL is so uh, scared of anything that challenges their diversity, that I would argue um, they're afraid even to find players. Look, if you're gonna find Joey Bosa of 40 grand, then you gotta find Quay Walker, the guy that pushed the health professional 140 grand. And it ain't close. I'm sorry, but it ain't close. So this idiot that you see here, number seven, old number seven, he decides it was a good idea to push a, well, a medical health staff member, out of the way because, well, his little feelings got hurt. Then he gets kicked out. Then, of course, we've all seen the video of he going up the ramp to his locker room acting, well, it would give seven-year-olds a bad name to say that he acted like a seven-year-old. For all of that, ladies and gentlemen, for all of that stupidity, the man got fined $13,261 push the most important people on the field, at least according to all of our social justice people last week. One week removed from having the life saved by a trainer, DeMar Hamlin's life saved by a trainer, by a trainer. All right. Here's the deal. This idiot decides to push a healthcare worker on the field trying to get to a player and our chicken blank commissioner slash whoever finds only 13,261. Could you be more chicken blank? I don't think so. The guy should be suspended for at least a game. Maybe that's a game check. Don't know. Don't care. Don't care. But I got to tell you, that is horse bleed. Speaking of horse bleed, I'm a huge fan. All right, look me at the face. Come here. Come here. Come here. I'm going to take a picture of me looking you in the face and you looking me in the face. Let's, come here, all you people on the YouTube chat. Come here, all you people watching. I got to tell you something. Big fan of Joe Rogan. Big fan of Howard Stern. Howard 100 Sirius XM Radio is on my radio. I listened to Rogan, although three hours is a lot. I heard him and Portnoy. I thought they were fantastic together. So let me preface by saying I am a huge fan. However, Howard Stern is starting to give me gas. I get it that you are a germaphobe. I get it that you don't want to come out of your house. I That's fine. But man, oh, man. Every single person, I mean, everyone that disagrees with Howard Stern is an idiot, a fool. I was listening to him the other day, and here's a guy that literally won't leave his mansion in the Hamptons, and he's telling other people that they have no life. I've listened to Howard Stern for years. I love dirty, nasty, filthy comedy. Love it. Not gonna shy away from it. You all sanctimoniously liked Bill Cosby. I liked Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy Raw, one of the greatest nights of my life. Andrew Dice Clay, to this day, I'll put him on. I always loved when Stern went filthy. It makes me laugh. To quote the great Charlie Sheen in Two and a Half Men, it amuses me. But now the dude, and I'll tell you why, this is what I believe. Howard Stern has done so many things that by today's culture would offend. He's gone in blackface. He's used the N-word. He's done all these different things. He knows. He's just one uh, Rolling Stone reporter saying, hey, what all have you done, pal, away from possible extinction? Now, if I'm Howard Stern, I ain't mad about being extinct. Except you got to leave your house. So Howard Stern, in my opinion, has flipped from a counterculture icon to a guy that could not be more woke. And here's my definition of woke. A professor gave it to me. When you are more worried about your feelings than the truth. Hello, Indy Star. Hello, Greg Doyle. When you are more worried about your feelings than the truth. I heard a professor somewhere, I think it was in England because he had a British accent, I heard a guy talking about that and I went, Ucha Kapesta, my eyes are burned. That was brilliant. But Howard Stern to me is a guy that went from counterculture hero to zero. But I like listening to him. His father passed away and it was great. Rogan to me, I got to tell you, I love Joe Rogan, but I don't understand it. Like, I know that I get bombastic, and I'm going to bring it every day, right? I'm going to bring it to you every day. Whether this show is any good or not, for 14 years, whenever I did a show on MS, which was every day from all parts, I bring it, and I bring it loudly. Rogan, I got to give him credit because my man is the most powerful voice in the United States, and he just sits there and talks. He's not really loud. He's not really yelling. He just talks. He just sits there with you and talks. I just did a podcast, and you can check it out. Uh, My Twitter, I'm tweeting it like a crazy person. Uh, I tweeted it out. I'm tweeting it out more. I'm tweeting it out even more. I'm doing all these things. It's a friend of mine, Gary Dick, who does a business podcast. So I did it. And Gary is beautiful. He just talked. I gave him so much good stuff that it's two episodes. True story because the guy just talked, and that's Rogan. And actually, that's Stern. There is no better interviewer in the world of sports or any talk radio than Howard Stern. Howard Stern and Colin Cowherd are the two guys that I base what I do on, or I did. Stern's wokeness, he ain't wrong. Rogan is not wrong. And I hate that I'm saying Rogan is not wrong, because Stern, to me, is the legend. Stern, to me, is the reason... He is the reason that, well, frankly, um, Sirius XM radio exists. He is. And Joe Rogan said it. I'll, I'll read what he said. He said, Howard Stern has gone from cavalier to woke. He was a blanking pioneer, not cavalier, pioneer when he was the king of all media, telling everybody to blank his blank, and the FCC was going after him. Government was finding him. They were finding in his business millions of dollars, and he was out there doing wild crap on the radio. Now he's woke. It's crazy. We all know that there would be none of us if it weren't for Howard Stern. You know, Howard Stern called for the removal of unvaccinated players in the NFL. Oprah Winfrey to atone for hosting a get together without masks. Look, I listen to it all, and I like it. I like. I listen to Stern. Like, I'm not one of those that says, you know what, Uh, I don't like him because he thinks different than me. Not even a little bit. I'm a big Howard Stern fan. I love Robin. I will tell you this. Robin's the best sidekick in the history of talk radio. She is the Scottie Pippen of talk radio, and there will never, ever, ever be any better. And I will also tell you, there is no more loyal person ever at any job than Robin Quivers, ever. I love the show. But I tell you this, Rogan ain't wrong. Rogan, he ain't wrong. All right, I promise this, I got to deliver. We talked earlier to Alejandro Villa We talked earlier about him um, and the fact that that I asked him, who you like, who's the most surprising quarterback? And he gave a good answer, Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence, four picks. I got to tell you, my most impressive quarterback is Brock Purdy. Look, I understand he's got a great team. I understand he threw a little ball to Debo Samuels, and he ran like hell and got a touchdown, and those numbers go on Purdy's 330 yards passing and all that stuff. I I do. I get all of it. But I also got to tell you, When I look at that guy back there, you know what I see? I see poise. I see toughness. I see strength. I see a guy that's standing back there looking around, and he is going to make the right move in the pocket and then throw the right ball. 332 yards, three touchdowns, zero interceptions, 131.5 passer rating, and guess what? Guess what? All the pressure in the world on them. They lose... It's him. It ain't the defense. It ain't Schottenheimer or whatever the hell his name is, Shanahan. It's him. Oh, you don't have a good enough quarterback. Hell, Jimmy G's taken him to a Super Bowl and then took him to the NFC Championship game last year. Ten-point lead late. Guy drops the ball named Dart. Or Jimmy G goes again, and he ain't good enough. So don't at me, people. Don't even think about adding me about the damn pressure that was on Purdy. All right, we're reporting here on OutKick. This is uh, the latest update on the tragic situation of Darius Miles. Those of you that don't know, Darius Miles is the basketball player at Alabama who was arrested on capital capital murder charges from a shooting, a very cowardly shooting, of a young woman, 24-year-old, in her car just off the strip in Tuscaloosa. Like, I've been to Tuscaloosa. I know exactly. Of course, his attorney released a statement. In that statement, they are saying Darius and his family are heartbroken tonight over the death of Jamia Joah Harris. While Darius has been accused of being involved with this tragedy, he maintains his innocence and looks forward to his day in court. Our firm's own investigation is ongoing, and no further comment will be made at this time. Uh, authorities believe at this time, the shooting stemmed from a minor argument. Harris's mother posted, the lady posted on Facebook that her son was murdered because she wouldn't talk to him. Now there are two guys in custody that could be him. Uh, miles is one of them. Michael Davis is the other one. So it's really not clear who the mother is referring to when she says him. But the truth of the matter is, does it really matter? Both, apparently, at least according to the police report, shot guns into a car. Man. Man, oh man, oh man. I don't know what to tell you. But I I will tell you this. I went to college. I was in college 16, 17 years at Indiana and 10 more at Bowling Green. And I don't remember anybody having a gun. I don't. Maybe you do. Maybe guns were big. Maybe Indiana and Bowling Green are, uh, I don't know, safe spaces. Or at least maybe we ran our program such that, oh, I don't know. We didn't have those kind of things. But I got to tell you, I will tell you this. I just lied to you because I just remembered something. We were three and one. We were three and one at Indiana when I was the coach and we had an incident after we beat Minnesota at home, I actually felt pretty good. we won, we're three and one. And that incident was rumored to have one of the, uh, players had a gun. Now I'm not sure whether that was true or not. I went investigated everything, did everything I could, uh, didn't have no idea. So that's the only time. And those were Calvin Sampson's fools. Those were Calvin Sampson's drug-addled maniacs that I got blamed for not winning a national championship with because I made him go to class and stay off weed. Indiana fans still try to act a little bit indignant to me, which is amazing to me. But I never really dealt with guns. Most guys haven't. And I got to tell you, as soon as I heard the story, I thought to myself, I don't know if this is a love triangle, but I know... Something like that is involved. All right. I've had her on twice. I will never not have Emma Jo Morris on our show. Uh, She is the best follow for politics on Twitter. She has broken a number of stories. She actually has Hunter Biden's, listen to this, hard drive in her apartment that the feds have never, ever, ever come to see. Uh, We're going to talk about this. I don't know. I asked a friend of mine. I asked a friend of mine who lives in probably the nicest or one of the 20 nicest houses in the state of Indiana. It's on a lake. I live on the poor side of the lake. There's a really rich side of the lake over there. I point that way because the lake's that way. I asked my friend, is there under any condition that anybody, much less your son, would be charged $49,910 a month for rent. $49,910 matches a deposit at the House of Sweden related to Hunter Biden's venture and Don or, uh, Joe Biden's venture with CEFC China Energy Company. The four, uh, isn't that amazing? How about that? 49910 matches the money Hunter Biden claimed to pay in rent while living at Joe Biden's Delaware home. As found on a background check, isn't that interesting? It's just a coincidence with these people. It's just a little coincidence. Huh. Who'd have thunk it? Look, do yourself a favor, go right now. Go right now to at Emma Jo NYC. She's with Breitbart, was with the New York Post, broke all these stories, and she, ladies and gentlemen, is nice enough to join us when we come back in a couple minutes. That's it. i got to take a break. We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the Outkick Network.
0: Getting ready to take on spring? make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools from hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets real steel offer valid on select AK System sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.
1: I love talking to this woman. I'm not going to lie. I'm just not going to lie. Emma Joe Morris. I love talking to smart people. I love even more talking uh, to smart people that debunk the idiots that are are in our current (laughs) political office, meaning the president, and nobody does it better. I got to get right to it with you. I just do. I'm sorry. Um, I saw your tweet. A weird coincidence has just occurred, according to sources or according to Wendell. Hunter Biden's 49,910 monthly rent matches a deposit at the House of Sweden related to his Hunter Biden's venture with CEFC, China Energy Company. That is the exact amount that, well, Hunter Biden paid the big guy, Joe Biden. What do you make of this? What's going on here?
3: So Wendell is my reporter at Breitbart, and we were talking about this story. Um, it's it's based on documents that were on a laptop, um, based on emails from the laptop from hell. And You're talking about it and you're just trying to make sense of all these documents that are flying around and what everybody's claiming on official documents, by the way, um, which doesn't necessarily mean anything in this case um, when you have Biden immunity. But it's like you're just following like this, like trail of bullshit, basically, and trying to nail down like when everyone involved is a liar. How do you make sense of anything? So this story, to be honest, as the editor of it. I am ashamed to say this, but I'm not totally sure what it means, because it's just a fact. So we have uncovered a fact that. um, So just to kind of like put it in context. um, Joe Biden has classified documents in his garage right, with his Corvette. We found out that this week. He has these documents in this garage, then it comes out that actually Hunter Biden owns that house. He, Hunter Biden is listed as the owner of that house where this Joe Biden claims is his house. So Joe Biden claims that the documents were in his house and and Hunter Biden happens to be the owner of that house. Then it's also revealed that Hunter Biden was paying rent to live in that house, apparently. Um, and, and there is a discrepancy between what, Joe, what Hunter Biden claims to be paying in rent to Joe Biden to live in the house that Hunter Biden allegedly owns and what Joe Biden is claiming on his taxes he collected in rent for that year. So the number is $49,910. So, okay, weird, weird um, set of facts that we know that don't hang together. Um, and then... Um, What we found yesterday was that that same very specific number, $49,910, is the amount that Hunter Biden was paying in rent to House of Sweden during the same year, which is the office space that he was renting for himself, his partners in CEFC, China Energy, and Joe Biden, post-vice presidency office, which they were all sharing. So what do you make of that? I don't know. It's a lot of facts that we know are are claimed to be true that don't hang together and don't make sense. Um, um, But I don't know. So I don't know. What does that mean? Does it mean that Hunter Biden was paying his father? Like, I don't know what to make of it. Because he was paying House of Sweden that money and that's an official place for the money to be. But then apparently saying that he was actually paying his father rent to live in the house he owns, which is a weirder story than just sticking with this is the rent for House of Sweden office. It's very strange. These people make absolutely no sense because they're all liars. It's like, you know, Judge Judy used to say that if it doesn't make sense, it's not true. And (laughs) that's kind of where we are right now. I don't know what to make of it.
1: When when I I asked a neighbor, not a neighbor, actually, I asked I live on a lake and I live on the poor side of the lake. I live on the last house before. It's a big lake. It's a long lake. So I have a friend who lives in maybe the best house. It's in the other town. I live in Indy. He lives in Fishers. It's way over there. So I saw him and I go, hey, look, you got the biggest all this stuff. What would rent be at your house? Like I understand Delaware probably is better than an exclusive house on a lake in Indiana. He goes, "Ah, you know, I could probably get 15 grand a month." Right. You know, that's a lot. 49 right. grand to rent a house that you already own? Come on, Emma. Well, that's
3: that's another thing that like is like, "What?" I mean, I live in New York City. I live in one of the pricier neighborhoods in New York City, okay? For $50,000 a month, like, there isn't even something that nice probably on the market in this neighborhood for that much. And that's an apartment. No! Like, you know, the nice apartments in New York City are 30000 a month, like, max? Like, 50000 a month is a number that's not even heard of. It's a number that doesn't make sense. None of this makes sense. They're liars. They're liars. That's it. It's like, I feel stupid kind of trying to unpack this with you because it's like... You know, you're just grappling with something that you know isn't true anyway. So what's the point of this conversation? But we have to have it, obviously. You know, he's the president and and th- this, you know, everybody in media is ta- having this conversation right now. But it's like it's like two crazy people talking to each other because none of this makes sense. <laughs> none of this is real. It's a smoke screen. And what? we're talking about smoke in a smoke screen. <laughs>
1: Uh, speaking of smoke, I want to get into the mayor of New York in a minute, but I want to go back to something you said, because you slipped this in on me, and I'm a good listener. My <laughs> wife will tell you, both of our second marriage, she goes, I've never met anybody that listens like you do. Biden immunity. You slipped that in on me, woman. <laughs> I caught it. Walk <laughs> me through Biden immunity. Well, just,
3: it's, you know, who who among us, okay, Will will get away with this, and these are the, I'm going to start from small crimes to big crimes, or what appear to be small crimes to big crimes, like, I'm just a journalist, not a lawyer, but with my very narrow experience observing the world, who gets away with lying on a firearms form to illegally obtain a weapon, that weapon getting thrown in the garbage by your girlfriend in a public trash can? being retrieved by a random stranger and turned in, the police knowing about it, and then all of a sudden the whole case disappearing? One. Two, who gets away with um, being an, an open crack user who writes about it in a book and never pursued? Who gets away with um, with doing business with the Chinese Communist Party being transferred millions of dollars, tens of millions of dollars from the Chinese Communist Party from oligarchs in Eastern Europe, and that never being an item of conversation? Who gets away with accepting a diamond from the Chinese Communist Party for which you don't pay taxes, a lawyer learning about it in your divorce case, and still never hearing about it from the IRS, or at least as far as we know, doesn't appear to? Who gets away with all of that and then starts an anonymous art selling business totally publicly and never has the tires kicked on that either which by the way is one of the more well-known ways to launder money biden privilege
1: i know the (laughs) i know the answer i do pick (laughs) me pick me teacher hunter biden or biden in general yeah Mm -hmm. um Here's something that hit me yesterday, and this isn't involving with this, but back in 1977, Joe Biden referred to basically his integration as, I don't want my kids going to a jungle. Uh, And he tried to tell us yesterday that he, although raised Catholic and went to Catholic church every morning, he then went to the, quote, black church after that. Now, you said little things add up. That may be a little thing, but I swear to God, after I watch this clown, I got to take a shower. I got to clean off. I got to clean up.
3: No, I know. He does this. You know, when I was at the New York Post, I caught him in another kind of like similarly like disgusting pandering move where um, he was talking. It was like a really obscure talk. He was talking to like a panel of rabbis and he's like, He's talked, to. there was, I don't know, you're, I'm sure your audience recalls, and you, you know, there was there was a terrible shooting at a, at a uh, synagogue in Philly, like, in, in I think, like, 20, 2019 or 2018. He was not vice president anymore. Trump was, and Trump went to visit. Um, but there was a shooting at a synagogue in Philly, and he's talking to this panel of rabbis, like, maybe a year and a half ago, Biden, and he says, um yeah, like, I went to go visit that synagogue. And he talks about how he went to go visit that synagogue in the wake of the shooting. And I'm listening to that, and I'm like, what? No? And and I asked my reporter, call that synagogue and ask, did Joe Biden come visit at any point following the shooting, even a year after the shooting? Like, give them up to it a year. And they said no. And and it it was an instance like that where I'm like, you have no shame. Like, you have no shame. Like, just whatever ethnic right. group you think you want to impress, you just, like, say something. It's almost like he's in, like, some sort of dream. Like, do you even hear yourself? Like, do you know what you're saying? Um, Because it's it's literally an obviously unbelievable.
1: <laughs> what do you think happened? Or what do you think will happen? I guess I'm going to ask both. You see the Corvette pulling back. You see... Boxes. Nobody knows whether those are the actual documents that are locked, you know, behind the Corvette. Okay, how dangerous is it for him to have such things that he can't declassify? How coincidental is it that these were in a home that Hunter Biden has access to and has made millions from? And then what do you see happening out of this?
3: So, um, Yeah, you know, we don't those I've seen those pictures going around. We don't know if those are the exact documents or anything. But it's just funny because he said he left them next to his Corvette and he thinks that's a good line. But you know, the thing is, like, yeah, they're obviously like if they're in his garage, they're obviously just out in the open, just laying around. Like, I think that the issue is, I mean, obviously, you don't want those documents laying around at all. But the problem with him is that his son is, um you know, compromised, um completely compromised by by countries that we don't have good relationships with, obviously, and that don't have good relationships with us, more importantly. um So, um you know, for me, it's like that's always been that's always been the focal point of this story on an ongoing basis for me from day one, it's like, um, you know, and if you look at the coverage on Breitbart, if you look at my Twitter, like I'm very obvious about what I'm concerned about, about all this, which is you have a son who has extremely close contact and total access to his father. This is the same reason why the who owns the house is relevant and where that rent money was going is relevant. You have a son who is extremely close to his father, has total access to his father's property. This same person is on the payroll of of some of the countries that are forget the most corrupt like who who have in China's case and in Russia's case as well actually full and open intention of displacing the United states as the, as the you know central power of the world um and they have great interest in undermining us and in obviously knowing what our classified documents say. So they're paying somebody who's literally addicted to crack and has absolutely zero marketable skills, obviously for a reason. That's my concern, is is all of this part of that reason, is all of this part of the reason why the the Chinese Communist Party is paying tens of millions of dollars to a person who is essentially incapacitated to, to, you know, hook him up, to hook up whoever is paying him with information regarding secrets of the United States. Um, And that's why this is important. It's like, It could have been in the garage, it could have been in his office, it could have been in the living room. It doesn't really matter. The question to me is, does Hunter Biden have access to this? How wouldn't he? Well, right, of course he does. And he also has access to UPenn. He was was a consultant at UPenn. It's all too close. It's a problem for them.
1: Chuck Todd on NBC said, well, uh, there's no crime against making money off of your name. That seems to me to be, uh, number one, full of crap, uh, although truly full of crap, true, but full of crap. And it seems to me to be disingenuous at best.
3: Well, that's the thing that's like, exactly, disingenuous. I, I like that word to describe that because making money off your name. Let's unpack that. What does that mean? They're not paying for the sound of his name. They're paying for access. It's not that they think that it looks flashy to have this person on their board. It's they're paying for what does that name represent? That name represents proximity to secrets.
1: Uh, it's a hell of a lot That's different than nice, that. Uh, pe- <laughs> like, What's that?
3: Just, just money off your name. It's like, well, no, it's not. It's, it's, it's what the name gives you access to which is not accessible right. by other people without that name. You know, it's like it's like we're talking about trading information, trading secrets. That's obviously what this is about. Again, it's the same point over and over again that the media just refuses to acknowledge, either willfully or if, if they're really as stupid as we pretend they are, is the name is meaningless. It's just a string of letters. What makes it significant is the fact that Hunter Biden is selling a product and that product is the American people, is the America? Is the nation of America, is our secrets, is our government, is our decision-making capacity, is our military, is our resources. We've caught him. We've nailed him on all of this, on all of this, whether it be minerals, whether it be influence, whether it be oil, whether it be decision-making on foreign policy, whether it be war and peace, especially in Ukraine's case.
1: Is it a coincidence that Ukraine's getting all this money after... Uh, from Biden, after basically, not basically, Trump sat down with Zelensky and said, "Hey, look, hope you and Putin can work this out." That was a famous thing. And then all of a sudden, now we're given millions. Is it any coincidence given the dealings or, or between uh, Hunter, Joe Biden, and Ukraine that we're given an open checkbook to Zelensky? Listen,
3: I don't have a seat in the in the Oval Office or anything, but there are a lot of coincidences that revolve around the Bidens. A lot. <laughs> that's it like that's all i can Uh, say i mean i can't speak to that you know with with hard information because i don't have that information and i'm not going to come here and you know say something matter of factly but what i can say matter of factly is there are a lot of coincidences a lot including the fact that those documents by the way that were found at upenn are about guess who ukraine
1: can i ask you a A lot of
3: yeah yeah,
1: sure. <laughs> can you bring? Can you, can you bring? Can you bring Hunter Biden's? I'll, I'll stall while you go get Hunter Biden's hard drive. Do you mind? Yeah. Okay. I'll, Once I'll I, stall. You break? I have to I'll go to st- another room. I know. I know. I'll stall. I'm good. I'll, I got you, Emma. Emma, <laughs> Joe Morris has Hunter Biden's hard drive, and you're going to get to see it. This is absolutely amazing. The government doesn't want it. Uh, you guys are going to get to see Hunter Biden. She has it in her house. Not a lot of people, um, that are like, well, no, she does. It's going to be shown to you right here. Now I know it. Here it is. I'm about to have the bed I got to go, <laughs> go back to this. Nobody's asked you for this.
3: Well, I basically no. No one in
1: media. But nobody in the government, nobody wants to know what's in it. You told me last time that what's I've had in it is secrets Congress and porn. Out.
3: Yeah, I've had yeah. I've had members of Congress reach out. Yeah, yeah, it, it, that's I don't know how on the record that is. I mean, anybody can have access to it now. It's I think there are people who have literally published it online. But um, yeah, people people have approached me about it. Not not anybody who's trying to do anything in earnest in the media, though. That's for
1: sure. All right, you said, what'd you say? Secrets and porn is what's on that bad boy. Pretty much. <laughs> and
3: some <laughs> family photos, I suppose.
1: <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, yeah. All right. Uh, How does this the end? Is it a, lot of pe- <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people are saying this is the beginning of the end. For Joe Biden, a lot of people are saying this is becoming the Democrats or the liberals putting this more and more out there trying to end Joe Biden. Do you buy that?
3: Um, I don't know. Listen, I don't know. I've 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 thought that the Bidens couldn't survive certain things like, you know, this um, before. And it's like, I don't know. I can't tell the feature. Maybe they'll pull through, maybe they won't. It certainly appears that somebody somewhere is saying, um, you know, maybe let's let's make some waves for this person, that's for sure. But I don't know if he can ride them. He definitely has in your view, gone through a lot of turbulence in the past, that's for sure.
1: Definitely. In your view, is it fair or unfair for people to say, well, you know, this is just the way politics works. We saw Trump go through scandal after scandal, Clinton go through scandal after scandal. It's just modern politics. Don't worry about it. Is that fair?
3: Maybe. I mean, it's dep- I think it depends. <laughs> like again, like I'm not a lawyer, you know, but I mean It appears that these two circumstances are totally different. Breitbart did a piece on this actually yesterday, right, by John Nolte, legendary columnist, where um, he talked about the differences between Trump and Biden. And obviously the most salient difference is really that Trump has declassification power as president and as vice president, Joe Biden did not have the same authority. So that in and of itself, apparently... Um, again, I I don't know the law around this. Definitely not, but um, apparently that is relevant. That's very relevant because that means that Trump can whisper to a, to his pet dog. This is now declassified, and it is Joe Biden doesn't have that authority. So that would be, I guess, theft um, and and obviously mishandling classified information, which is a felony. So I think that you know there's there's something that you could say. Maybe you could say that Trump like the Trump situation is just being scandalized by the media and that's politics. And that happens versus the Biden circumstance, which is like a proper crime because he didn't have that classification, declassification authority. Um, But um, politics is politics. You know what I mean? And, and as we learned with Biden privilege, it's like you get away what you're going to get away with. And, and what struck me, you know, especially like, you know, with the laptop from hell reporting is like, when the blob, the establishment, the machine, whatever you want to call it, decides that you're going to be president, you have a pretty good chance of staying, being and staying president. Um, and I think that there are certain, I don't know if they're bureaucrats or cops, or I don't know, feds. I don't, I don't know how to identify this exactly. And I'm actually engaged right now in a lot of research trying to answer that question. But um, I think that there are, Uh, There is a security state apparatus, let's say, that makes a lot of political decisions in this country that we're starting to learn more about. And I think that they, at the end of the day, tip the scale one way or the other, depending on their interests.
1: You mentioned this before, and I want to go back to it real quick. Again, get ready for dumb question number 100, Okay, You mentioned the word oligarchs is can you put a name who's an oligarch who's specific i hear this all the time the oligarchy the oligarchs the old you know who is who is, give me an example of a person who could be or would be described as an oligarch
3: in foreign countries you mean or as a pejorative term anyway, in america um okay an american
1: oh. american that you go ahead
3: well, OK, yeah. So in, in well, when I use it, usually um, I, I'm talking about I'm talking about like people in, in foreign countries, specifically, usually in Eastern Europe, where oligarchies are still totally real, where basically, um, you know, you have almost like an ind- indistinguishable relationship between private industry and the government. Um, And the people who are in power in private industry um, are often like ordained to be by members of the government and vice versa. You know, people who are in the government are kind of ordained to be by members of the private private industry. Um, And so that is what is an oligarchy, which is basically like a let's say a class within a corrupt society that is the bourgeois class that essentially makes all business and political decisions on behalf of the the non all members of the oligarchy you know and the regular people and obviously those classes were more distinct you know let's say in in soviet russia but they still a hundred percent exist and have basically been replaced by a new oligarchy when the soviet union fell so these systems are still very common and and they exist you know i I think they're beginning to exist you know or appear to in, in america but really, like, that is, like, a, a totally normal arrangement to have in many countries in Eastern Europe, especially ones that were formerly communist.
1: Like, would Elon Musk be part of a, an oligarchy?
3: Um, yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, when I think of an oligarchy in America, you know, I think of people like I think of people like Mark Zuckerberg as a great example of somebody who's acting like an oligarch because of a very specific act that he did. Not only does he control, obviously, the central communication, one of the central communication platforms for the world, um, but he also uses the influence that he has um, and resources that he has from owning that company to, um, to make enormous political donations. Um, he funds think tanks, he funds politicians, he funds get-at-the-vote efforts, he funds PACs. He had Z- the Zuckerberg story in, in the New York Post. They published that uh, a big series on that where he was basically how he was using his money to kind of influence politics from the grassroots level all the way to the top. So that is somebody who I would think about as kind of like an American oligarch, where you, you are a businessman, you're a private sector person, but at the same time, you have like a really close relationship with government, and you also have a lot of sway in deciding who is in government, and then once they are, what kind of legislation they're pursuing.
1: Last thing before I let you go, your uh, governor... Like, hey, look, I've never smoked weed. I'll tell you why, because I've always thought I would like it too much. Like, I like sitting around talking, eating. Hell, that's my kind of party. I'm not a big club guy where I'm going to go boom, a boom. Every time I drive in my city, Indianapolis, and I don't care if I'm going down the highway, and it's either a skunk or a weed, and 100% of the time it's weed. Your governor's going after cigarette smokers after she just said weed okay. What's this about?
3: Right, yeah. So I wrote this column. That's what I thought I was coming on here. I thought I was going to get to talk for a half hour about cigarettes, my favorite topic. But I don't care about the Bidens. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but basically, um, so so yeah. So I wrote this column because, um, you know, I think the lead in the lead I said like she takes a syntax position that that really speaks to a pattern of haphazard decision-making and casual tyranny, which is really what this is. So to give your listeners, you know, some, some background on what we're talking about, uh, New York state, the, the governor of New York, Kathy Hochul has proposed, um, is like she put forward a plan to raise the cigarette tax in New York state by another dollar. By the way, we're already the highest tax uh, tobacco tax state in the nation, but she wants to move it up another dollar to five thirty five tax, um, on a pack of cigarettes. And, um, And at the same time, that would be one thing, you know, but at the same time, she's legalizing weed. She just did that last month. She legalized marijuana last month in the state for recreational use. So, um, you know, I I tried to kind of go through in the column like I'm trying to find like the, the like the principle that allows you to, you know, penalize cigarette smoking while promoting pot smoking. And I could not find one. Um, You know, if you're talking about health, like Columbia University right here in New York City came out with a study just Thursday that talked about how asthma rates uh, among children in in states where um, weed is legal has been skyrocketing and that this is kind of like becoming like um, a, a new health effect of legalizing weed because you have parents smoking pot inside the house and their kids are breathing in secondhand smoke and it's causing asthma and they even actually specified um, especially among minority, ethnic minority children, this is occurring. Um, Then you also had another study by Harvard talking about how IQ over extended period over use of marijuana over an extended period of time, IQ drops by up to five points. Um, Again, a huge health concern. And then the NIH, the National Institutes of Health, who we've heard a lot about over the last few years um, as our great medical authority. Um, you would think would be good enough for Kathy Hochul, they came out with a study that we, weed use over an extended period of time causes psychosis, schizophrenia, depression, anxiety. Um, so there is a litany of health issues that are actually present among weed users that are not present among cigarette smokers. Um, so if you're talking about health, how do you not consider all of those very obvious and very well-known and well-documented health effects of pot? um and then and then you know i go in to say also it's like even let's say even if you just leave the health stuff aside and she just doesn't want people smoking cigarettes she doesn't like the smell let's say or whatever um raising the tax on cigarettes doesn't make people smoke less cigarettes because if you've ever been addicted to smoking which i have been and was for 10 years um you're not going to stop smoking because kathy hogel is raising the tax on it either you're just going to you know, get squeezed and pay the extra money. That would was probably something that I would do. Or another thing that I did for a while was I rolled my own cigarettes. Or what I realized in researching this column what's going on is there is an exactly perfect correlation between raising taxes on tobacco and contraband tobacco. <laughs> so what people are doing is like they're smuggling cigarettes. And and the study that I cited showed that 50 over 50% of cigarettes smoked in New York State um, are, are from either the black or the gray market where people are selling Lucy's on the street or people are going, you know, to the next state over, two states over to buy cigarettes and bring them back and sell them. So um, this whole thing basically makes no sense was the conclusion that I reached. And, and uh, you know, I kind of just concluded that this is obviously a virtue signal, which, surprise, it's Kathy Hogle. Of course it is.
1: <laughs> to your point, I, I chew tobacco and I'm being literal here, probably 30 years, maybe more, and I never even cared about the price and I didn't have any money. I just knew I needed a dip. That's it. I I, I hey look, uh, yeah, give me that That'd can of right. long um, cotton.
3: Yeah. It's so ignorant of the nature of addiction, you know. And that was that was also something that I, I, I hoped was the subtext of this column. It's like I I was addicted to smoking. I still am, you know, I'm still obsessed with this jewel because of the, the nicotine. It gives me the nicotine, so I don't actually smoke cigarettes anymore, but I, I smoke this all day long. And, um, and it's like, you don't, you never met an addict if you think that charging them an extra dollar on, on their vice is going to make them stop. It's just not how it is. This is something that's like a really deeply emotional and psychological and physical, uh, dependency and, and it's like, we're just going to find another way or we're just going to pay it. I mean, like I, you know, I actually, I, I suggested a, uh, uh, cigarette rolling machine that I think is a good investment, um, in these trying times in the column.
1: (laughs) in these trying times. <laughs> oh man. You know, talking to you is like, uh, I don't know. talking or uh, watching a good show. A half hour goes fast. I'm sorry. I kept I hope so. so. We are doing a show. <laughs> my bosses are like "Hey, 20 minutes only with guests. I'm like, I just text. I go, Hey, sorry, but I don't care. I love talking to you. I do. You're awesome. I just get <laughs> in. The
3: vibe on this show is great. <laughs>
1: Thanks, Emma. I'm going to let you go now and go back to you rolling smokes. There you go. Well, Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah.
5: Hey,
1: give her a follow, man. I'm telling you, she is freaking awesome. I, I I love having her on the show. She has a great way of presenting. It's so smart. And if you follow, you're just going to get common sense, and then you could put whatever political spin you want on it. But that's a brilliant Brilliant reporter Emma Joe Morris at Emma Joe NYC. Don't be a damn fool. Give her a follow right now. And a lot of you, and I thank you for this. A lot of you love when we have her on because, well, most of you know we are no BS here. All right. When we come back, here it is, ladies and gentlemen. There are five jobs open. I'm going to go in order, which I think Sean Payton should take. We'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me, and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned.
0: Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now, save $30 on the American-made steel FS-56 RCE trimmer. Real Steel. The FS-56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.
1: Oh, man, me likey. The the YouTube chat question is, Tom Brady retiring? Yes, no, no, but he will go to a new team. That's kind of, I got to tell you, that is uh, kind of what I think. I do. I, I, I do. I, um, yeah. I kind of think he's on his way to a new team. A lot of you guys are like sexist. Curtis says two types of girls that have no boundaries, sig rippers and horse lovers. Stop it. Uh, Dan, this is from Gary Beatty. Quitting potato chips is the hardest, maybe ice cream, yeah? I gotta tell you, I got no problem with ice cream because all I do is fart. True story. Uh, I do. And I'm quitting ice cream. I'm quitting granola. The hardest thing I did was quit tobacco. I'll tell you the story sometime when we don't have so much, ladies and gentlemen, to get to, including your hero. President Biden spoke yesterday. We got some great, great video. All right. Look, I don't know how many jobs are going to be open. Word on the street is offensive coordinator Byron Lefwich who was going to go get himself a number of jobs, has now been fired by Tampa Bay. I would assume Todd Bowles probably will be fired, but I don't know. I Look, I assume everybody is, and I will tell you, and I've told you and I'll continue to tell you, I don't give a dag on what anybody tells me. That freaking Brendan Staley, he set coaching back a mile. He set it back more than Jeff Saturday by weaseling around and go getting Joey Bosa's helmet. I got five jobs that are open. I got five jobs that, hey, look, a couple have interim head coaches and some of them are just flat open. And I'm going to go from worst to first for Sean Payton. Now, memo to Sean Payton, shut up. Don't talk about any of the jobs. Interview, do your thing, and then figure it out. Number five is the Colts. Now, you haven't seen anything where Sean Payton has done anything about the Colts, and I'll tell you exactly why. He's smart. He's very, very smart. Let's examine the Colts uh, and and base this on every other team. Colts general manager, if I went into a meeting and I said, all right, I'm trying to be the coach, and Chris Ballard, smugly with his creepy little laugh, wanted to interview me, I think I would interview him. What is it about you that would make me want to work for you? Now, I get it, there's only 32 of these jobs, but Chris, I got to tell you, horse bleed is what's been going on around here. I would do that because this is my career. Now, I'm not 40 years old trying to be a head coach for the first time, but I would absolutely say to Chris Ballard, hey, man, this hadn't gone very good. You're going to hire me. I think it gets Chris Ballard two years because he's going to be smart enough and survivor enough to draft a quarterback this year, and Jimmy Ursay is going to be soft enough to let Ballard go not only this year, but next, this coming year, 2023 and then 2024. That's my – unless the thing falls apart again. Look, you're replacing a clown, which is always a good thing in Jeff Saturday. You could, ladies and gentlemen – B and the only thing that makes this thing good is they are at such a low point and Jimmy Ursay is begging fans and all the crap that he's done over the last two years, you could have complete control. I don't know if he wants complete control, but I ain't going to the Colts. No quarterback, no left tackle, no cornerback, no weapons other than Jonathan Taylor. None. Don't tell me about Michael Pittman. He is not a weapon. He's too slow to be a major Big time weapon. So that's my fifth. Number four, the Texans. Now, here's the deal with the Texans. The Texans might have a quarterback, Davis Mills, but that's the same thing that we said before the season. They have a decent running back in Damian Pierce. They improved a little bit. They certainly fought uh, pretty hard for Lovie Smith, but I go back to this. They fired a couple coaches very quickly. So what makes it a good job is you say, look, you ain't doing that to me, man. Uh, that ain't happening to me. Now, that might happen to you, but that don't happen to me. So you're going to have to give me what? Five years, $9 million, $10 million a year, $50 million. That's what I would have to do. That's what I would put out there because, look, if you – don't trust ownership, and you think that ownership is a little bit quick on the trigger, you got to protect yourself, particularly when you have some leverage. Now, the team, I don't know, know—they're okay. They've never really, if you think about it, had a dynamic head coach. Now, I will say this, Lovey Smith certainly was back when he was with the Bears. Big fan of Lovey Smith when he was with the Bears. I don't know why he got fired. The Bears haven't been any good since. But I seem to think, I don't, could be wrong, could be right. He lost his fastball a bit, has really struggled, get, was given the whole program in Illinois, got some good recruits, got some athletic guys, particularly on the defensive side, and went to hell. It did. It just, it just didn't work. All right, number three, the Panthers. I'm not sure why the Panthers. But everybody in the NFL tells me, if you are going to, and I agree with Dave Carroll here, Sean Payton will never come here with uh, Ballard here. I agree. But it isn't set in stone that Ballard's here. If Sean Payton went to Jimmy Ursay or Sean Payton went to David Tepper and said, look, I want full control. Or he went to the McNairs and said, I want full control. Here's who I'm bringing in. The McNairs, the Ursays, and David Temper. they have a choice to make. And here's the choice. We heard this with Gruden. We heard this with John Gruden. John Gruden wanted full control, wanted $100 million. Gimme, gimme, gimme. Mike Mayock, out of the booth. All these old-timers, let's go. We're getting the band back together. A lot of Italian guys look like they, well, might hit you. And I'm not talking about punch you. I'm talking about the in the trunk, in the ground hits you. Jerry Tarkanian style, in the damn desert, ladies and gentlemen. But you got a quarterback here that's possible. You got some good young talent here. You're going to have some draft choices. Uh, Carolina uh, might be interesting to me. It's certainly a better situation, I believe, than the Colts. I don't think the Colts or or the Texans are a place that a guy with options go. But I do think based on the fact that this owner is supposedly a great dude, they play in the AFC South, which he knows. And quite frankly, I don't know, quarterback's all right. Problem you have is there are reports that you got to keep Al Holcomb, the defensive coordinator, if you get the new job. Al Holcomb's, uh, you know, I guess he's good. I don't know. See, I've always said this. I've always said when you stink and your culture stinks, you got to get rid of the people that set the culture. Now, that's not necessarily Al Holcomb, the defensive coordinator, but that is Chris Ballard. And that is whoever's running the Texans. Casario. It just is. If that's the culture, your culture, look, you don't change it with mediocre players or decent guys or draft choices you change it Tom Brady coming in changes the culture Matt Ryan coming in doesn't do squat Philip Rivers coming in doesn't do squat Peyton Manning coming in the Denver changes the culture maybe Lamar Jackson does I don't know but he's going to be too expensive number two the Broncos now let me explain to you the Broncos the folks that own the Broncos are Walmart money. They got more money than G.O.D. got. You guys don't like Russell Wilson. I used to love Russell Wilson. I don't love Russell Wilson anymore. But I tell you this, people didn't love Drew Brees anymore. Until he did what? Came to New Orleans. Got with who? Sean Payton. Look. Maybe, maybe, Russell Wilson, in one offseason, in the move to Denver, lost whatever he had in Seattle. Maybe. Or maybe not. Maybe things going on inside with the Broncos were so ridiculous, Russell Wilson probably included himself in it, as you saw his reaction. But if I'm Sean Payton, I'm looking at, hey, look, 10 years, 10 million, five years, 10 million, whatever. And I ain't mad about having Russell Wilson as my coach. Remember, jobs with great quarterbacks aren't open. They're not. And this is the best that you can find. The number one team for me in terms of quarterbacks. Arizona Cardinals. Here's why. Going back 100 years, the athletic director at Marshall offered me the Marshall job. He said, Dan you take this job, there's great talent here. You're going to be here for two years. And then you're going to go get a Big Ten or an SEC job. I didn't do it. Billy Donovan did from Kentucky. Billy Donovan, two years later, went from there to Florida. The rest is history. Here's the deal. There ain't nothing wrong with an established, disciplined coach coming into an operation that follows a undisciplined coach. Now, you got to have talent in the NFL and most of it is going to be decided by Kyler Murray's health. ACL used to be a year. It's not anymore. Guy like Kyler Murray, I had kids come back in I don't know 5 6 months. We'll see. But there's nothing better than a disciplined coach. That's a veteran replacing kind of a lo- not a kind of an absolute loose ship. Man, you can turn it around quick if you have talent. Don't know whether they have talent. I don't think we can judge anything on the talent level of the Cardinals. A year ago, they were 12-2 and at one point, so they must have something. DeAndre Hopkins, the mad crapper on the trading block. But if I'm John Gruden, not John Gruden, if I'm (laughs) Sean Payton, give me an operation where the coach is undisciplined, The team is undisciplined, but they got talent. It's the Urban Meyer theory. Urban and I had a talk at Bowling Green. What's the talent like? Really good. What happened with the coach? Ah, He got older. He got afraid to hang out with. It didn't work. Urban went to Utah. Ron McBride, great recruiter, undisciplined. Turns that around. And everybody in college football will tell you the greatest coach to follow was Ron Zook. Urban followed him to Florida. He told me, he goes, man, nobody recruits better than Ron Zook. But he couldn't coach him. He couldn't discipline. He couldn't get anything out of him. I'm telling you right now, were I to be Sean Payton, bam. That's the play on the surface. I don't know what's internal on all these, but that's on the surface. You're welcome, Sean. Now do yourself a favor. Shut the hell up. And don't talk about jobs. No, no, no. Don't talk about your job. You'll get a job that you want. It'll go great for you. But ladies and gentlemen, you don't have to talk about it if you're Sean Payton. All right, ladies and gentlemen, our woke adult dope he just keeps giving. He won't stop giving. He won't stop lying. He won't stop cheating the American people. He won't stop putting us in danger. He... Is El Presidente? No, not Sean Black, but the White House, El Presidente. Let's hear from El Presidente yesterday. I'll go hey, go with the first one. I want to comment, then we'll go with the second and then the third. He was beautiful yesterday. Let's hear from Joe Biden.
5: And by the way, even if I didn't want to do this, I'd be in real trouble. My daughter's a social worker, and this is what she does. And so if I didn't, I'd be in real trouble with my Ashley. You got an Ashley. We got an Ashley. You think I'm joking. I'm not joking.
1: Well, good for him. He does have a daughter, Ashley. She has never been a social worker. Never. Never. So he's talking to social workers. Apparently one of them has a daughter named Ashley. And he just can't help himself because he must lie. He must not tell the truth. I have a daughter named Ashley who was a social worker. It's like two things Joe Biden cannot do. He cannot stop lying and then saying, I'm not even joking. Oh, we thought you were. And he can't stop sniffing. He just can't stop sniffing little boys and little girls. You all voted for this. Shame on you. What's next?
5: To tighten the use of force policies, to emphasize de-escalation. We have to retrain cops. as to Why should you always shoot for de- with deadly force? The fact is, if you need to use your weapon, you don't have to do that. And...
1: That's a fact? The fact is, if you have to use your weapon, you don't have to do that. So he wants them to shoot him in the leg. Guy is wheeling a gun all over the place, and you're supposed to shoot him in the leg. Now, you heard some idiots there clapping. I would say to those idiots, hey, raise your kid or raise yourself Not to commit a crime whereby a cop has to pull out a gun. Seems reasonable. People that get all excited about, well, they shouldn't shoot to kill, aren't in a position with a gun pointed at you. I got to tell you, somebody comes in my house, I just got a gun, I'm going to get good enough to shoot to kill. Because I'm not wounding some dude. He runs into my daughter's bedroom, holds her hostage, shoots her, does whatever. That ain't happening. I mean, look, I get it. You can pander to people. We all understand pandering. We all understand Obama phones. We all understand all of that. Open the borders. Yay. Nobody's illegal. Yay. Legalize weed. Yay! Uh, CRT and every other thing you want in school. Yay! I just gave you some pretty good pandering topics. Talk amongst yourselves.
5: What do you got next here, Dylan? And ban the number of bullets and go in a magazine. There's no, no need for any of that. I love my right-wing friends who talk about the tree of liberty is water of the blood of patriots. I mean, if you need to work about taking on the federal government, you need some F-15s. You don't need an R-A-R-15. I'm serious. Think about it.
1: This is the third time recently he's talked about a civil war. Joe Biden is exactly who you think Joe Biden is. Joe Biden is the fake tough guy. Joe Biden is the guy that walks around acting like a oh you want to take me on you better you better bring a lunch pail. You want a piece of me? I'm all day. Okay. When you hear Joe Biden talk, don't you just get creeped out? Why does he keep talking about civil war? It's one thing for some idiot on Twitter or it's one thing for some moron at the Indy Star or some other Gannett newspaper to talk about this, but it's another thing when the president of the United States, the president of the United States talks about that. I swear to God, and I I am astounded that people are so stupid that they can't see it. People didn't, well, you know, Obama phones aren't real. Really? Okay, nothing is real. Nothing at all is real. You listen to this guy, you got to be insane. I mean, if you voted for this guy, you got to be insane. You do. I'm sorry. I don't care if you're conservative. I don't care if you're liberal. I don't care if you're a moderate. I don't care if you are a libertarian. Independent. You gotta be nuts. There's gotta be somebody in your party that is better than, I don't know, this guy and his constant lying. He can't go a day. He said yesterday how, as a 20, whatever, he would go to high school after he went to church. After that, he went to the black church. This is a man that called integration a jungle. This is the most racist president of our time. And if you support him, God bless you. I'm not going to say if you support him, you support racism. I'm not going to say that. That's for morons. That's not for real people. Real people don't say those things. Real people simply take a look and say, huh?